Hi everyone, and thank you so much for joining us. This is a special one because it is our 20th episode. We are so excited to share Peter's story with you, and thank you to all of you who are listening to and supporting us. If you haven't heard any of our other episodes, we have 19 others for you to binge listen. We are also very grateful to our sponsors. We have been working on our podcast for almost a full year now and are very appreciative of the support of these sponsors. This episode is sponsored in part by the York Youth Symphony Orchestra. The YYSO creates a unique opportunity for elite youth musicians to learn challenging repertoire with peers, perform in a variety of venues, and expand their perspectives of what it means to be a musician. The YYSO is committed to being the finest youth orchestra organization in the region, both on the stage and off the stage and in the community. We are coming to the end of our 22-23 season under the direction of Maestro Brian Buderbaugh and invite all listeners to our spring concert at William Penn Senior High School on May 13th at 3 p.m. Tickets are on sale and can be purchased through our website. Our spring finale, a price premiere, features the York debut of Florence Price's Symphony No. 3. Also featured will be concerto competition winner Evan Coslow playing Ralph Vaughn Williams' oboe concerto with the orchestra. We will also have some fun celebrating the 20th anniversary of Wicked on Broadway with some help from the York Junior Symphony Orchestra. Prior to the concert, come early to hear the YYSO Quartet, coached this year by Andrew Jones. For more information, please visit YorkYouthSymphony.org. Our next sponsor is J.R. Judd Violins. J.R. Judd Violins has been providing excellent instruments and service to the beginning string player and professional alike for over 35 years. With over 400 instruments and bows, which range from student models to fine older European and American offerings, we can match you with an instrument that fits your needs and budget. Whether sales, rentals, or restoration, we are happy to lend our combined 107 years experience to your particular needs. And finally, thank you to the Reading Musical Foundation. The Reading Musical Foundation has advanced and advocated for music education and appreciation in Berks County since 1926. Signature programs of the foundation include RMF Scholarship Program, which provides over $200,000 in annual scholarships to Berks County music students. Operation Replay, an instrument recycling program that provides used instruments with deserving student musicians, as well as an annual grant program that provides more than $300,000 for music-related projects in the greater Reading community. You can learn more about RMF at their website, readingmusicalfoundation.org, or by finding them on Facebook and Instagram at Reading Musical Foundation. We are sure you're going to love Peter's episode, so without further delay, here is Peter's life between the notes. Welcome everyone to Life Between the Notes, where we are going beyond the bio and bringing you interviews of your favorite South Central Pennsylvania musicians. I'm Kirsten Myers, an oboist living in the Lancaster area with my co-host Morgan Davis, a flutist also in the Lancaster area. So hi, Morgan. Hi. <laughs> oh, I just spotted a cat. <laughs> oh. Yeah, they're just everywhere tonight. We missed just, that introduction. <laughs> yeah, I hope she doesn't start yelling. She might. Yeah. 
I, I, I have a chair for her today right beside me. So <laughs> have you seen, not to derail us online, there's been lately all the videos of people getting their cats, their own laptops. So oh, on yours. <laughs> really? Yeah. So this is the original version of that. You got, you got your cat. I have the chair. <laughs> yes. I just need to put a blanket on it actually. Yeah. And yeah. she'll probably like a magnet. <laughs> so, oh, there she is. There she is. If you're watching this on YouTube, now you can see the cat. 15 uh, minutes of fame here. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> anyway. So, um, Morgan, this is our 20th episode. Um, if you can believe it. No, um, I can't. <laughs> So it has actually almost been a year uh, since we started, and um, I just I'm, can't believe we got to this point. Um, they say that most podcasts don't get past their 10th episode, so we're doubling that. Go us. <laughs> <At least not. laughs> so, um, but anyway, we're pretty proud of that. So, and we are um, grateful that all of you are listening and hope you're enjoying these episodes. Um, if you do have comments or suggestions, please let us know. You can email us at lifebetweenthenotes at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Um, we are actually almost to 1,000 downloads of our podcast also. Which, I didn't know that. That's great. Yes. <laughs> That's I, frightening. It's a... <laughs> I know. Yeah. Watch out. You never know who's listening. Right. That's right. right. <laughs> so, and that doesn't include all the YouTube views. So mm -hmm. um, we started this as a way to document the musical lives of local musicians and uh, Morgan and I are grateful to be here. So um, thank you to all of you who've been listening and sharing. Um, it has been our mission to help create a community of support for all of us. We are just beginning. Today, though, we are so honored to have here for our 20th episode, the amazing Peter Bry. And I have to say, um, and I don't think I shared this with you, Peter, um, but when the idea to create this podcast came to me in the middle of the pandemic shutdown, um, the first person I thought of to interview was... Peter Bry. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Oh, my. It was no pleasure. That's a nightmare. <laughs> so, well, no. Yeah. At least we got out of the pandemic, right? So, right, exactly. So, yeah, there's that. But I mean, I remember the day that it all came to me, and um, I, I thought that you would just be the perfect guest. So, there's no pressure in that. At all. Well, I, I, I am completely honored. Really, this is this is really special, particularly for your 20th episode with uh, nearly a thousand downloads. That's really very impressive. I had no idea. This is this hey. is great. Yes. You're making me nervous now. I'm trying right, to... right. <laughs> he is incredibly accomplished and one of the most highly regarded musicians in our area. And personally, uh, he was my son's cello teacher for about seven years, I think. And I spent a lot of time in his living area falling asleep while he taught my son. Yes. That, Which that is happens. no reflection on your teaching. <laughs> oh, hey, I used to take my son to his lessons and I would sit in the same room with the lessons. Oh, was, the lessons were seven o'clock in the evening and invariably I would fall asleep in those lessons. And I was sitting like six feet away from the lesson and the teacher would say, what do you think about that boy? And I was going, oh, what do you So <laughs> don't worry, don't, don't, falling asleep is not a bad thing, so. Okay, all right, good. Well, then I don't feel so bad. <laughs> so um, I promise yeah. not to fall asleep today. 
great. Uh, yeah, I will, I'll try not to, too. No, no. Um, but what I want to say, too, is um, that we have a lot of very fine cellists in this area. Um, and when we were encouraged to find um, a, a teacher for our son, um, Peter's name came up from several musicians who I talked to, and I was so glad that he took Jacob into his studio. Um, and there were two things that struck me during the time he taught him, um, and that was Peter's patience and his humor. Um, he knew exactly how to make Jacob feel comfortable, and I'll always be grateful for that. Oh, Jacob was a great, a great student. He oh, he awesome. really he really progressed nicely uh, from the beginning all the way to his senior year in high school. He just continued to blossom the whole time. It was it was great. So you. when you see him, be sure and give him my best. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah, okay. And and if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see the orange cello, uh, whose name is Chucky. Uh, <laughs> His last name is Cheese, right? Yes, exactly. Um, in several podcasts that we have already produced, his name came up because he was a teacher to many of the musicians um, we've already interviewed, like Mike Vitale, uh, Jennifer Shaner. Um, and he was also a colleague of Jan Dixon's, uh, who we spoke with recently as well, and also taught her daughter. Um, right. Oh, yes. Right. Yes. Jan's a, Jan's a great gal. So she's uh, a, a mover and shaker in the Reading area. She really is. She's, yes. she's had a done yeah. a lot there. So you, you, you talked to her, so you know all about that. So yes. And she gave us the down low on you. So you the, the low down. Low down. Down yeah. low. <laughs> That was, well, there's that as well, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> All right, anyway, we'll be taking that out. Okay. okay. Have, you had your, have you had your coffee today, Kirsten? This is my second. Here, this, I, have, I have some more if you like. So this is. Uh, there's just too much going on. Okay. So. It's all too exciting. Yeah, it is. 20 episodes. I, I would leave that in. That was, that was, that was brilliant. So. Are you okay? <laughs> no, I'm really not. <laughs> Anyway. Well, this I have to tell you when I have conversations with with friendly people, this is it's kind of the way it goes. Yes, <laughs> and I, I I call my sister, and within five minutes we've digressed into some sort of insane conversation that nobody would understand except us. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, I get it. So, okay, so. that's has all been edited out, so we're good. So right. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Um, yes. But yeah, and uh, you and I also worked together briefly at Millersville. Yes, so we did. Yeah. Yes. Let everybody know just a little bit about um peter he is uh, oh now i needed to ask this but you are originally from is it corvallis you're right corvallis oregon that was okay. There. okay corvallis oregon and he began his musical studies at the age of six with his father joseph bride by the age of eight he was playing the cello he continued his studies and eventually earned a Bachelor of Music degree from the University of Oregon as a cello performance major under the guidance of Robert Ladke. That's very good. That's exactly right. Robert Ladke. Nobody can say that except you. Oh, two for two. Okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. And that's, he was also down low. <laughs> he was also a conducting student student of Robert Wagner. I'm assuming it's Wagner and not Wagner. That no, Wagner's right. Yes. Okay. All right. So um, his studies continued at the Pennsylvania State University, where he received the Master of Music degree in cello performance. Mr. Bry has completed additional studies at Peabody Conservatory, Temple University, University of Michigan, 
the Hart School of Music and at the Conductors Institute at the University of South Carolina. He joined the music faculty of Millersville University in 1981, where he served as a professor of cello, conducting music history and conductor of the Millersville University Orchestra. He also served as the conductor and music director of the Reading Symphony Youth Orchestra, a position he held for 27 seasons since the inception of the orchestra in 1989. Mr. Bry continues to be in high demand as a festival conductor and has appeared frequently throughout the Northeast. He has conducted the All-State Orchestra Festivals for Pennsylvania, Delaware, and New Jersey, in addition to numerous festivals at the county, district, and regional levels, including appearances in Boston and New York State. Mr. Rye appears frequently as a cello recitalist and chamber musician and has been a cellist with the Reading Symphony Orchestra since 1976, where he has served on occasion as assistant conductor. So, um, wow. <laughs> that sounds like a really nice obituary, so there. <laughs> Well, you have it all laid out there. That's so. it, right? So I, I'm any day now, we'll just we'll just pop over the newspaper. Please no. Okay. So. We really but have digressed here. You're gonna take that out too, I suppose. Whatever. <laughs> but thank you so much for being willing to share your musical life and accepting our offer to be oh. a guest on Life Between the Notes. My pleasure. My pleasure entirely. So. Um, from what I just read in your bio, it says that you began your musical studies with your father at the age of six, but yes. didn't play the cello until you were eight. So what exactly were you studying with him at the age of six? Oh, oh, uh, my father was a concert pianist. Okay. And was a professor of, of uh, piano and music theory at the university in my hometown, Oregon State University. And he was my first piano teacher. And, you know, he was, uh, he would come home, teach me after uh, working uh, with the Tchaikovsky piano concerto with a student or something like that. It was a bit of a shock for him <laughs> and also for me as well. So uh, it, it uh, he was a, a, just a terrific father, but as a piano teacher, he was, he was, you know, a piano teacher. And so uh, I would be practicing when he would get home from school and he would say, oh, you're ready for a lesson. Oh, okay. Well, let's have a lesson. So we'd sit down to me and he'd say, well, you know what? You really need to practice more. Forgetting that I my last lesson was just the day before, you know, yeah. so, <laughs> and so it was it was a little stressful. So eventually, I uh, after about a year, I, I I changed teachers. We my father and I both agreed it was time for for a change. So we changed to the the wife of the minister at our, at our church, who was not quite as intense as my father was in terms of uh, in terms of uh, teaching and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, worked with her for a year, and then I, I I I took lessons for maybe a year with a colleague of his at the, at the university. But by then I was playing the cello, and after I, I I think two years of cello and piano together, I decided that, and I'm still kicking myself for this decision, but I decided that the cello was enough. I wish I hadn't stopped because mm -hmm. I you know I mean I can harmonize twinkle still to this day, but that's about it, yeah. you know. Uh, just block chords and melody and that's that's about it the fingers know where to go but i mean the mind doesn't beyond that you know so right uh, but so he was he was a he was he was a pianist and uh actually when i went to college uh, uh, uh sort of getting ahead of myself here with, with with the questions i guess but i i went to college uh in my hometown uh my father was my advisor and one of my major professors uh, uh as a music major okay and so he was my theory professor and uh, also my advisor, and I had to do well in his class. 
to be, to be honest. I, and I did. I did very well in his class. Right. Uh, but it was funny because for the first year I was living at home. And when I was at home, uh, I called him dad. And when I was at school, I said, would say, Mr. Bry, I have a question. So it was it was really strange. <laughs> I'm so, sure. So now my my sophomore year, I was there for two years. My sophomore year, my first semester of music theory, I got to be. I got to be because that's what I earned, and my father was not going to do anything, give me anything, but 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 what I earned, and he was he was always concerned about favoritism or you know the 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 the, 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 the the perception of nepotism or you know that kind of thing, and so there was one class where my father was out of town, and uh, the class was taken over by the department chair. And uh, it was it was actually very good for my dad because uh, it showed the department chair that I knew what the heck I was doing because I had all the questions. I was always raising my hand. And I said, finally, the <laughs> department chair said, don't raise your hand. Let somebody else answer. So at any rate, they proved to my to my uh, my, my father's colleagues that I that he wasn't uh, wasn't being, uh, uh, you know, overly gracious in terms of, of my grading and so on. So, right. But, I had to do well, though, and I, I did well. He was a great teacher. I mean, after that, I transferred to the University of Oregon for uh, the next actually the, the next four years. And uh, my my theory background was such that I did not have to take any theory classes at all. I was I was miles ahead of just about everybody there because their theory program was one of these artsy feely kind of things. You know, well, you can pose a little bit here. You don't learn anything, you know. So, I mean, I was miles ahead of them all. So, uh, right. Right. At any rate, it was a very progressive school, too much so, in, 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 in at least in, in that aspect of, of, of the whole theory business. But uh, mm -hmm. at any rate, so he was a great teacher, got a lot yeah. out of it. So anyway, sure. I'm sorry, I, I really got far afield there. No, it's, <laughs> that's okay. I mean, you know, it's a it's a conversation. So that's right. Okay. Well, I, I think, too, it's like so interesting that, you know, the, the formality and the concern about, you know, things being too comfortable because he was your father, but like, you know, I'm thinking about students now who want to call their teachers by their first names and there you are, you know, it's your dad and you're still, you're yeah. maintaining that sense of respect when you're yes. in the classroom. Yes, right. Um, well, yeah, that, and that, it was a little strange and he insisted, of course, this was back, back well within the last millennia. So you have to <laughs> bear in mind, it was, uh, I was born in 1950. So this was in the, uh, the late 60s. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I think so things, things... I mean, things were getting kind of crazy. Maybe we had riots and everything. Boy, mm -hmm. I'd forgotten about that. So, uh, but <laughs> you know, with the Vietnam War and everything, it was that was that was a tumultuous time. So, mm -hmm. well, I'm well, that's not what we're talking about today. So, right, so, right. Anyway, yeah. back to uh, back to what we're supposed to be. Talking yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> Oregon okay. State University oh. was the university in Corvallis, and then I transferred to the University of Oregon, which was I in Eugene. That was about oh, about 35, 40 miles south of of Corvallis. Okay. And and uh, entirely different university. Mm. Oregon State was a very conservative uh, uh, science, math, uh, technology oriented school, mm -hmm. uh, and the University of Oregon was more more along the along the terms of the arts and so on. Mm -hmm. If there were going to be riots, they were going to be at, at the University of Oregon in Eugene. Okay, mm -hmm. I got caught in the middle of one there. Oregon State really? they, had, they had some they had some protests and so on, but nothing like nothing like Eugene. Eugene is actually you know, University of Oregon back in the day was more closer to UC Berkeley uh, in terms of uh, you know that kind of that kind of activity. So it's not quite the same today, but actually today they're known more for their track and field. So yeah. then your um, mom like yeah. did was what did was she involved with music at all? Okay, my mother was the audience for the family. Okay. My father was the was the concert pianist. I, you know, I did what I did. I have three siblings. I have a brother, John, who plays trumpet. 
and uh oh man he was he, he was he was he was really amazing he um uh, uh became actually leader of the trumpet section of the jazz ambassadors which is the touring jazz band of the army big deal i mean it was a huge huge yeah he started with a with a with a, a post band out in the east coast here in virginia and then he auditioned for and got the got the principal spot with the with the jazz ambassadors and in high school, he he had uh, his teachers were like the high school band teacher, or and so on, and uh, went to college for a couple of years and was studied with the with the marching band director who also played trumpet. He all I, I, this sounds funny to say, but he was one of these really gifted people who always played better than his teachers. Mm -hmm. He yeah. played rings around his teachers, and uh, I mean, and and he, you know, he learned he learned. And this is really important, people. If you're listening, he learned by listening. Mm -hmm. he oh, really? by listening to music he had all the al hurt records doc severinson all those kinds of things and he learned by listening and then emulating that sound you know and he he was able to do it wow uh, he figured out what it was he had to do to the point where he was uh you know, you know as, I, as i mentioned uh leader of the, of the trumpet section with the jazz ambassadors you know yeah huge, huge talent wow. and, so i remember one concert this is really incredible uh, he was with the uh, the uh, the uh, army jazz band, the the touring jazz band at Carnegie Hall with Cincinnati Pops, I guess it was, and he had a big solo with the Cincinnati Pops at Car or Symphony, I guess it was Symphony at Carnegie Hall, and he stood there and he just filled that hall with that big, fat, beautiful wow. trumpet sound. It was incredible. Wow, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that 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 you have in your ear that mm -hmm. is, that you don't hear very often. So right. But he was he was he was great. So uh, at any rate, so he's now retired from that and uh, lives in lives in Florida, Ocala, in the middle of horse country and all of that. Well, I have a sister as well, my sister Julie, who plays what you play. Mm -hmm. you, have you ever met Julie? Uh, no, but you told me about her, and I was going to ask like how difficult that was, like growing up with an oboe playing sister. Oh, she was fine. She was fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, we were we were in 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 very different places in the house. Our house was large enough that we were we were not you know bothering each other. <laughs> I will say that in college I had roommates who were oboists, and mm -hmm. that just drove me crazy. I mean, I mean, I have small apartments, and uh, the chairs in the kitchen all had these bits of string hanging from them. You know, from the tying of, of the tying up of the reeds. Yeah. You just don't have to do that, do you? So, yeah. <laughs> so, they're, but, well, they're all over my house. Yeah, I bet they are. Well, so, but no, my 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 sister was always wonderful, but uh, uh, and and a great player. But we never really got in each other's way at all. And uh, my youngest brother, Tim, was it was so funny because he was he was a, a bit younger than all of us, and before he was playing an instrument before school. We had a we had a a a split level house and uh, we had one practice area which was the kitchen, one practice area which was the study, and then another practice area which was upstairs, in one of the bedrooms. And my brother Tim, who before he was playing it, would sit at the bottom of the stairs, like with all of us practicing, you know, before school. And he would go. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. He was the one who had the problem with us all. So. <laughs> but uh, he would be uh, he he ended up uh, playing clarinet and saxophone and uh had a career in the service uh, with service bands i was in the air force and actually uh became an audio technician for uh a couple of the of the air force bands uh it was in uh it was in uh, uh, anchorage alaska for for some time mm -hmm. became a real fan of the northern lights and so on and uh, which is pretty cool up there mm -hmm. and then it was in honolulu for a while and uh now is is, is retired from that 
and um, was spent a little time, a bit of time installing uh, uh, electronic gear in these big fancy mega yachts, you know, like like uh, oh, 60 foot yachts. Yeah, he was crawling in little tiny places, wiring all manner of fancy audio things and whatnot. Yeah. And now is uh, is is uh, is, a, is a tech person for uh, a college in in, uh, in Washington State. So, okay. but involved, wow. we're all we're all involved in music. So, yeah, yeah. To get back to your question, my mother was the audience for all of us. So, right, right. So, I did bring it back. So. Well, that's amazing that all of you, you know, have professions. Yes, all we're all in music, and you know, we're all we're still we're still we're still sane. So there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Except me, but you know. <laughs> Well, that's why we're interviewing you. That's right. Just this is, this is, this is an interview for the for the instrument. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, we'll stop there. But um, so why did you choose the cello? Like, do you, do you think like did your dad like lead you to that direction, or you just you know love the sound? My father really wanted me to play the cello more oh. than I ever imagined. Mm. Here, he sort of planted the seed and he, we had conversations. He said, you know, Pete, I really, Peter, I really like the cello. That's something I always wanted to play. This was my, my father talking. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he planted the seed with, uh, with the, the violinist at the, uh, who was his colleague mm-hmm. at the university. And he said, hey, well, you know, Peter, these, these orchestras are just begging for cellos. If you want to do it, if you want to get a good job playing, uh, playing an instrument, you should play the cello. And then before I began actually signed before I signed up for the instrument uh, to, to play the cello, my father had a conversation with the string teacher in my in our in our hometown. He said, "I really want you to you know, direct him toward the cello." And so you know what happened? I've never I've never seen this except for this one time. This teacher, his name is Bob Culver, by the way, and it be, actually became uh, uh, that's a great story, by the way. I'll tell you that in a minute. But what he had me do was to put my hand down on a table, and he outlined it with a piece of paper. With a pencil on a piece mm-hmm. of paper, draw it like this, and then he picked it up and he held it up, and it was like I was in the middle of the music man, because he says, "That's a cello hand if I ever saw one. <laughs> that's a cello hand if I ever saw one." So I said, "Okay, well, sign me up. No, that's that's what I'll do." It's like the Wells Fargo wagons ringing my cello down the street. <laughs> oh, geez, wow. Oh, but this, okay, Bob Culver. He's, I mean. I, the fact that I had him as my first teacher was an absolute miracle because this this guy was brilliant. This Bob Culver entered college at the University of Oregon, where I ended up going, as a clarinet major, and had string pedagogy class with who, the person who turned out to be my cello teacher, and uh, violin, viola, cello, and bass—all of those instruments he learned them. And by the time he graduated, he was a viola major. Nah. He was huge talent. I mean, another another one of these huge talent people. He then came to my hometown. Was was my teacher for two years. Went to the uh, capital of Oregon, which is you all know Salem is the capital of Oregon, right? Okay, he went to Salem, taught there for a couple of years, then left there and got a scholarship to Eastman School of Music as a viola performance major for a master's degree. Wow! Graduated from there, got a job with the Cincinnati Symphony, playing with the Cincinnati Symphony. Did that for, did that for nine years, ten years. Got tired of it. He said, I want to be a teacher. So he went to the University of Michigan. They hired him at the University of Michigan with a master's degree in viola performance as head of string pedagogy. University of Michigan, head of string pedagogy with a master's degree in viola performance. That's it. Well, let me tell you, uh, Michigan is an enlightened school because they hired the best person. He's he's just an absolute brilliant guy and uh, became one of the leading pedagogues, uh, string pedagogues in the country for the longest time. Conducted festivals in 47 of the 50, 50 states, all, all state festivals. It was just, just, just amazing. So 
He wow. was my first teacher. I mean, talk about an inspiration. So, right. so I had a chance to go back and see him. I, I attended, a, uh, you, know, you mentioned that uh, the University of Michigan was in, was in a listing there of, uh, of digital <laughs> studies. Well, I went back for a summer at a, a two-week, three-week course, uh, the Art of Orchestral, the Art of the Orchestral Teacher, something like that. I forget, but some title like that for the, for the, for the workshop. Two-week or three-week course. And it was great to see the guy again because he had, I mean, everything that he did was all laid out very methodically, very, very logically. And, it was, yeah. it was great to see the guy again. So that was probably 25 years ago, but uh, wow. I'm sure he, I, I, I hope he's still living. I know that he was, uh, he, he has to have retired by now, but uh, anyway, so there, that's yeah, a bit of my background. So, yeah. So, so were you a student who, who loved to practice? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, I, you or know should we what? edit this part too? No, 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 no. I, I did practice. I did practice. I, I did have to, I, you know, I knew that I had to do that. I mean, I, I think I understood at a fairly early age that it, if you don't practice, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to play. Right. And I, you know, I, it wasn't the kind of thing that I enjoyed. I, to this day, practicing orchestral music, I can't stand it. I hate it. Anybody <laughs> who says they love practicing orchestral music is nuts. Okay. They really need therapy. Okay, because it's it's because it's it's a part by. I mean, I'm, I'm working on a thing right now. I can't. Well, I can't show you now. But we're doing a, a masquerade overture by by Carl Nielsen, and whatever, all this really high stuff, and it's really fast, and it's just no fun. Except when you get there, when you get to rehearsal, and it all comes together. That's where it comes through. And for me, practicing when I, as a even as as a child, I realized that if I knew what I was doing, and I got to a festival or a rehearsal. If I knew what I was doing, it was much more meaningful. I had a couple of experiences where that wasn't the case, and I kind of learned my lesson, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something that I, I, I am constantly trying to convey to my students, and they most of them usually get it, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, and I'll tell them, I hate practicing work and music. It's just my, it's my least favorite thing. And if you're going to all states or districts or regionals or counties or something like that, if you're not prepared, you're not going to have a good time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you right. don't know your music, you know, you're right. going to feel like, well, what am I doing here? You know, I'd rather be doing taxes or something you know, that. But that's not that far of a stretch either. Right. <laughs> so, so anyway, practicing is is, is is one of those things that we just have to do. Right. Everybody loves to play. Now, this is another if you're getting into practicing we're this is going to be a, a, quite a wild ride here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say that, but uh, practicing. <laughs> You know, with 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 with, uh, with with my students, it's you have to practice, but you have to practice intelligently. Mm -hmm. If you're not practicing intelligently, you're you're wasting your time. In other words, in other words, playing. If you're if you're just playing through your exercise or your solo like like three times, just sort of playing it, that's not practicing. Mm -hmm. You know, and so nearly every lesson that I teach, and probably you guys too, I would imagine, you know, you're, you're you're taking it apart and putting it together, taking it apart and putting it together. I have a student who's working on what are they? What is it? Uh, Oh, I have a student working on the Haydn C major cello concerto now, and they were having difficulty with the with the last line of the, of the exposition, and it's difficult. I mean, it's just it's really hard, and there's all the scales and all the kind of crossing around and so on. And so they couldn't play it, and uh, they said, "Well, we'll take it apart." And by the end of the lesson, they said, "I can play this. I can play it." They were actually excited, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. and so the intelligent practicing. The metronome is should be everyone's best friend. Where's mm -hmm. my metronome? <laughs> right here yes one of these several. one of these things okay they go tick 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 they're they're you know sort of like chinese water torture if you know but still it's they're they're really really important 
Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's on my stand. I was using it to practice my, my my Nielsen. I had to slow it down. Right. You know, you know about how important. Yeah, and you still and you still have to do that. You know, even at the, you know the level that that you're at. At the age of seventy-two, I think <laughs> I really figured out the metronome. You know. <laughs> now in this area, there's a lot of. Um, well, there are the competitive festivals with like districts, regional, uh, regional states. I mean, was it the same as you were growing up in Oregon or was it, did they not have those to festivals? A much, to a, a much lesser degree. Yeah. We would have festivals um, like a county festival, things like that, even like an all-state festival. And they were by recommendation right. of, your, of your teacher. So. Now, I've, I've conducted a lot of festivals in Pennsylvania, and uh, one of my favorite festivals was in a little town called Forest City, up uh, uh, just uh, nor- north of, uh, of uh, Scranton. And that was a festival where they were, where the, where the participants were not auditioned. It was entirely by, by, by recommendation. And I just loved that festival. Those kids were so open and so willing to work. It was so neat. Not that I don't, don't enjoy festivals here. Uh, the the level of play was, I think, in, in Lancaster and uh, District Seven, District Ten, so on and so forth, is very high. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's, it's a different a different vibe. It's very competitive, you know. And this mm-hmm. is uh, it was this festival. It was not competitive. It was just they were there to make music. They were to have a good time. Okay. And yeah. if they made a mistake, that's okay because they were there to just to do the best that the, the best that they could. So mm-hmm. uh, I I really got lost track of where I was. You were talking. That's oh, it's festivals in Oregon. That's right. Yeah. Um, yes, we would have. It was by they were by by recommendation. Um, and except for, uh, all Northwest, which is like all Eastern here, mm-hmm. uh, we had all Eastern orchestra here. They, of course, that's, that's based upon your all state performance. And then the year after you get to go to, if you, if you do submit your tape, you can go out, you know, in other words, you can only audition for, for all Eastern or whatever it is nationals, um, uh, as a junior because you're accepted for the senior year. Okay. All Northwest was the only festival that we had to do any kind of an audition. It was an, a recorded audition. I went to my orchestra teacher's house and he had a big reel-to-reel recorder and I recorded what oh, I was wow. to record back in the day, you know, okay? Yeah. It's back in the middle of the, of the last century, the last millennia, if you recall. Anyway, uh, so I made the recording. I sent it off. I got in. I was I was absolutely blown away. Mm-hmm. And that was, that, was, uh, that was the only festival that I had to audition for. And that was a life-changing festival. Mm. Uh, the conductor was Don Tulin, who was conducted as well the Spokane Symphony. In fact, helped the Reading Symphony with our last conductor search when we hired Andrew Constantine. Oh, yeah, wow. he was uh, and he was he was, uh, he was a brilliant guy, really something. And uh, I, I had him as a conductor when I was a high school kid, and that was so cool. He he knew my father and everything, and it was it was it was really great. But uh, but uh, that festival changed my life because I, I've never had never had an experience like that. Well, two weeks after that, I had uh, like a county festival. And the conductor of the county festival asked for a show of hands. He said, well, I was just at All Northwest. Is there anybody here who was at All Northwest? And I was at the very back of the cello section. And so I raised my hand and said, I was. And he says, Well, what are you doing back there? <laughs> and so the principal cello, and this is so funny. The principal cello said, My teacher's the host. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So he said, Put the guy away in the back there. He was at All <laughs> that was so funny. You see, I didn't care. It did, it, it was, it, yeah. We were doing it for fun and be, because it, it, it was great, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, but so, no, it was, we had, that was the only one. It was, but we did have festivals, you know, there, there wasn't quite as much prestige attached to them as they are here. I mean, yeah. for one of my festivals, I had to miss the, like the junior prom at my school, which didn't bother me at all, but, uh, <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. They they scheduled it at that date, so. 
Yeah. The sacrifices so, we make as musicians. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. I, I must tell you, it was not a huge sacrifice. I I was glad not to have to go to the prom. I I didn't like those things. I was a nerd back in those days. <laughs> Before it was trendy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, do you um? So when did you know that you wanted music to be your career? I mean, was it early on? It was funny because I sort of thought about it a lot as I was growing up, but I didn't want to limit myself. Mm -hmm. I always thought about it. It's funny because I always thought about it by being a, of a career as being a cellist and a conductor. Mm -hmm. And when I got to college, I, I told them I want to major in conducting. And they said, well, no, you can't do that. Yeah, you can't major in conducting, but major in cello and then you can conduct. And I said, well, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. And then, but then when I got to college, I said, you know, of course, liberal arts schools, you know, have all manner of doors that can be opened. So, uh, uh, I had toyed with the idea of becoming an accountant. Don't know why, but I was toying with that idea. Mm -hmm. um, I pay someone to be in my accountant. He's very good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad he's doing. He does that. Um, he's not a cellist or a conductor, and that's that's fine. Um, but uh, so I took a business course, and I did not do well. I, I did not like that class at all. Then I also was considering a career as an architect, and so I took a course in architecture, and I really enjoyed that class. I really did. But I was in the mid toward the end of the semester, or whatever, what term or semester, I was thinking, I said, do I want to be sitting at a drafting table for the rest of my life or do I want to put, play the cello? And I it came to the conclusion that I really wanted to play the cello and be to be a musician. So it was the end of my uh, freshman year of college was when I really made made the commitment to do the to do the uh I was also taking music courses then. So yeah. I mean, as a freshman, I had the I had the latitude to take you know a couple of, of different classes, and uh, right. I'm glad I did. I'm because if I hadn't, I'd, I would be still wondering today if I should have. But uh, oh, not a, not 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 at all. A business, heavens no. Architecture <laughs> maybe, but not not business. So I you know could you imagine me as a stockbroker? Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean that's fine. Let other people do that. That's fine. Right, right. So um, so then what brought you? to pennsylvania then was it um going to penn state because you went there for your master's right that's right it was it was called what they, what they call a graduate assistantship okay i was looking for looking for a place to go after high school after co after college mm -hmm. and uh look re responding to this and that and everything and there was a there was a an opening for a cello graduate assistant at penn state Okay. And so I submitted a recording of my my senior recital and you know application you know Vita, Vita resume that kind of a thing, and lo and behold I was offered a graduate assistantship at Penn State, a complete a complete remission of all tuition and fees plus a stipend which is basically a free degree which is incredible I mean that kind of thing doesn't happen anymore but uh, I I was able to get a master's degree with absolutely no debt. Wow, which wonderful. is, which is yeah, yeah. different time, different place. You know, yeah. it's just it's not this, it's not that way anymore. But uh, yeah, uh, that's what brought me to Penn State. And who uh, who was your teacher there? My cello teacher was Leonard Feldman, who was the teacher of the Allard, the cellist of the Allard Quartet, uh, mm -hmm. which was the quartet in residence uh, at Penn State. Uh, they all went to Juilliard, okay. and uh, were actually it was a very fine quartet. My conducting teacher was uh, uh, Doug Miller, Dr. D. Douglas Miller, really a wonderful gentleman, a great conductor, was very helpful to me with with all of this kind of thing here. <laughs> and, uh, he was he was great for my final exam. I had a dad to conduct Petrushka for my final exam. And oh, wow. uh, in his office, without an orchestra, it was him just sitting there watching the score. 
Now, conducting a Petrushka with an orchestra is is a challenge, but conducting it without an orchestra is even harder. Yeah. That was that means if you can do that, you're a conductor. Yeah, right. <laughs> I felt pretty confident doing that afterwards. So, uh, yeah. wow. but no, Penn State was Penn State was was, was very good to me. At the, the summer between my first and second year, I met a wonderful harpist as well. Who was that? That would be that would be my 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 bride of forty six years. Wow, yes, we were newlywed only forty six years ago. So uh, Jane Jane Kaufman Fry and uh, we we met, and the following the following August, about a year, a little more than a year after we met, we got married. Okay, and, uh, wow. and the rest is the rest is history. History, as they say. <laughs> yeah, right. So. Okay, so then that's why you stayed in Pennsylvania. I'm guessing I got married, and I didn't know where to go. So. <laughs> So I moved in with my wife, which is a good thing. So yeah. my, my, my first job was uh, actually, uh, in, we got married in 1976. And uh, my first job was followed up in 1976. I was hired by the school district of Lancaster for a halftime position as a string specialist to help the full-time teacher. Okay. Sure. And I taught in, it was a halftime five days a week. I taught in like five elementary schools and two middle schools, if you could imagine. And uh, that was really something. Uh, uh, I was hired. Uh, this is so funny. Actually, it's a little scary. But uh, the day after I signed the contract, there was a story on the front page of the newspaper that the the uh, comptroller for the school district had made like a, a $3 million error in the budget, had forgotten to include the salaries of all of the administrators and the custodial personnel. And so they had all of this extra money that they were spending on hiring new teachers and everything. And uh, fortunately, I had signed the contract the day before, so I had a job for a year. Yeah. But, uh, that didn't happen after that. So I mean, right. so I, I was there for for one year, and I got fired after that year because there was no money. Right. That was the only time I got fired was because uh, they didn't have any money. So uh, after that, I continued with my with my certification work. And uh, mm -hmm. January the following year of seventy eight, I guess it was. I, uh, I began teaching at Manor Township, taught there for three and a half years. Okay. And was the string specialist. I was the only, believe it or not, the only string teacher for Manor Township. Five elementaries, two, uh, one middle school and one high school. I was in one elementary each morning of the week. And then I was at the middle school twice, three times a week, twice a week, whatever it was. And then the high school the other days. Mm -hmm. after school. And it was the funniest thing because my home base was the middle school. And they always forced me to come back to the middle school at the end of the day, even yeah. if I was in the high school, for bus duty. <laughs> so when Millersville called, yeah. I said, okay, fine. I don't have to do right. any more bus duty. <laughs> actually, I have to do bus duty. Okay. Yeah, actually, Manheim Township was a great job. I mean, it was a wonderful school. They had a really nice program and a great orchestra. Uh, you know Shelly Showers? No. She's a horn player with the Philadelphia Orchestra. Okay. I know the name. Shelly Showers, she had a horn, horn player with the Philadelphia Orchestra. And before that, she was with Cleveland Orchestra. And before that, she was the principal horn of my high school orchestra. She was amazing. She was a, just, a, she was what my first year of teaching, Shelly Showers was in my orchestra. Wow. And you know, Dr. Belser, Dr. Bob Belser, otolaryngologist mm -hmm. in Lancaster? He was also in my orchestra. He's, oh, he's, wow. he's the person I see right now. So, uh, but yeah. he's, he was also in my orchestra. So, that was some really cool. That my some pretty cool people. My uh, with my first year there. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway. So, but that was my first year there. And then, so, but I I was there three and a half years, and then Middlesville, uh, the the job came open at Middlesville, and I decided to apply apply for it. It was a difficult decision to leave. Mm -hmm. Things were going really well there. But, Did uh, you have Do you have an an end degree? No. 
No. Okay. Oh, I have. I have my, my degrees. I have a bachelor of music in teleperformance, master of degree in teleperformance, and I have certification. I see. My state certification was through Elizabethtown College. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I had to. I had to uh, okay. be able to sing and play the piano, which <laughs> both are. <laughs> that was the funniest thing. I, I, had to, I had to pass a voice a voice proficiency thing. I sang the silly little art song. And afterwards, I went to the department chair's office and says, well, well, you passed. But frankly, Peter, we were expecting more. So, oh, no. <laughs> I, well, it was fine because it kept me humble. You know, and that's, well, that's what we all need to, we all need to be, you know, I, I know, let's put it this way. I know my limitations. Yeah. You know, to this day, I will never sing a solo in church. Well, <laughs> and around that time, too, then you, we were playing in Reading Symphony. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I started playing in Reading, right. I began playing Reading Symphony uh, the, the fall of, of, of the year that I, uh, that Jane and I were uh, married, fall, fall of 76. Okay. And uh, that was back when Louis Viner was the conductor. Not many of your people know who he was, but he was, he was a formidable presence in Lancaster mm-hmm. and Reading area. He was a, a student of Sergei Kusevitsky. And uh, really, you know, knew his knew his his business really very well, and so I began playing Lancaster and Reading at the same time with with Louis conducting both orchestras, mm-hmm. and uh, then Louis left not too long after I got there, and I hired Sidney Rothstein, and well, actually, I've been playing ever since. So mm-hmm. Sidney was there until about fifteen years ago, and then uh, Andrew came along, Andrew Constantine. So right. he's right. You 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 played with him just last fall, didn't you? Mm-hmm. That, yeah. was, that was that was that was an amazing that was the planets that was an amazing concert <laughs> yeah really something just, really yeah. all of these 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 stories come to mind and I, this is oh, one of my favorite, favorite stories of, of of that orchestra and i've told andrew this a couple of times but oh not far not long into his tenure with the orchestra he programmed beethoven six which is one of my favorite symphonies i just i just just love it okay well we 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 had a program and he spent very little time in rehearsal I think he was spending just time just to make sure that the notes were there. And he didn't really play the piece until we got to the concert. Mm-hmm. We got to the concert and he really, he just, at that one time, that one moment, that one time through the concert, he just pulled it from the orchestra. It was absolute magic, absolute mm-hmm. magic. I don't I don't know that there are many conductors that, that, that can do that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. another circumstance was when we did the, uh, Sasson Violin Concerto. Sasson's Violin Concerto. It has a hard S, you know that. You know mm-hmm. that Sasson's has a hard S? I know that now. You know, well, you know, I was, uh, another story later, for later, perhaps, if we have time. But uh, the Sasson's Violin Concerto was David Kim, who's mm-hmm. a concert master of Philadelphia Orchestra, okay? And it, Andrew's a great conductor with, with, with soloists and orchestra and all this kind of thing. But for that, that concerto with that soloist at that time, they were like this. They were like one. It was the, the the communication was consummate. It was just, I've never seen anything like it, and to be like six feet away from it happening is just, just you can't explain it. You know, it's just it's just really you know what I'm talking about. Once in a while, those kinds of things happen. Yeah, I mean, we've had great soloists, and uh, we'll continue to have great soloists, and there have been other instances that are that were just as effective. But that one is particularly memorable to me. Another. When we had David Kim and John Carney from the Baltimore Symphony, concertmaster of the Baltimore Symphony, who also plays viola, by the way, did the Mozart Symphony Concertante, okay, which is a, a Mozart concerto for violin and viola. And you cannot find two more different 
soloists, okay? David Kim was there, this was probably seven, eight years ago, with his iPad and his foot pedal, and he was, you know, with all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And very organized, I mean, just just, just like this. John Carney, John, he plays like you wouldn't believe, but he has these papers all over the place. You know, know. everybody's just going to fall on the floor or whatever. You know, he's, a, he's probably twice the size of, uh, I mean, he's just a big, tall fellow, and uh, twice the size of David Kim with his viola, this monster. He's just playing the socks off of the viola. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. which is two drastically different, but the but the music once again came together like that. Turns out they were they went to Juilliard together and were in a, in a string quartet together, so they they oh. kind of knew they kind of knew each other. Like more than right. kind of, but uh, oh, anyway, it was in 1989 that you um, they started the Reading Symphony Youth Orchestra. Yes, yes, yes. And that. so, and you were the conductor from the inception of that. Um, right. Had had they asked you like what was was it a board decision, like to ask you to conduct, or no, I was it was an it was an audition process. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. But it turns out that in 1988, the education committee had decided that there needed to be some sort of uh, youth experience for for young players in Reading, and there had been another orchestra that had uh, that had happened before. It existed before it lasted about two or three years. These orchestras oftentimes don't don't, don't survive. Unless they have really strong backing and so on, and so the symphony decided to come on board, and and so they had an audition process. I was one of three candidates. Uh, we went over to Governor Mifflin High School, and each of us conducted the orchestra. And uh, I threw a nice interview process. Following that, I went home, and you know Gerald Wingenroth. Did you know him? No. Okay, Jerry was the head of the uh, music department at Conestoga Valley, Conestoga Valley School District, and after he retired, he became executive director of the Reading Symphony for about a year, year and a half. And so he was uh, he was the uh, ED at that point. And after the audition, the next day, he called me, said, hey, you got the job, man. And so he had this kind of a, it was, it was, a, it was kind of a wheeler dealer kind of a guy. He, he passed yeah. away just a little while ago. Really sweet guy. Uh, wonderful uh, administrator for the schools and also for the symphony, but uh, just a really neat guy. But he called me and, uh, you know, uh, told me I got the job. And I said, this is great. So. Uh, what started with this most humbling of humble of beginnings, we had maybe 40, 45 people in the orchestra to begin with, and uh, with maybe three or four high school kids, mostly junior high kids. Okay? Mm -hmm. And it was a young orchestra. And uh, the first year we had one concert at the end of the year. And uh, that was that was really something. It was quite exciting, a little nerve wracking. And mm -hmm. Sydney, of course, was around and he was like, we've got to be careful. You know, Sydney, right? Yeah, yeah. Morgan, do you know Sydney? Did you ever know Sydney? Mm -hmm. He was a character. He was he was a quintessential conductor who was a wonderful conductor, but a, a, could could have been challenging, you know, uh, at certain times. And uh, I know in the final rehearsal, he was there sitting in the bleachers, sort of looking like like this. And my I had a, I had a snare drummer who we were doing hoedown from rodeo, and the snare drummer was just not cutting it, so I had to have some kids switch parts. And so I walked back and I said, I'm switch parts. And I was walked back to where I was conducting. And he looks at me and he goes, <laughs> you did the right thing, kid. You know, so I had yeah. his approval. So anyway, but from the humblest of beginnings, we ended up growing into an orchestra that was over 120 people. Yeah. And so it got to the point where it was just unmanageable. So we ended up deciding that we had students from grade seven through grade 12, which was just, it was getting to be a little, a little, a little messy. And so we decided we needed to form a younger orchestra. So we formed the Reading Symphony Junior String Orchestra, otherwise known as RSJSO. And uh, Rick Nye, he's somebody else you might want to interview, okay? You see on your list? 
Oh yeah, he will be. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> a good guy. Rick. Rick, right? Rick Nye. Richard <laughs> Nye, Rick Nye, whatever. Oh, I you know, know. I, I know him. He's a good guy. He yes. really is. You'll have a really, you'll have more fun than them with them with me. I can tell you that right now. He's a, he's a great guy. Oh no, no. He's, he's really fun. cool. He's really cool. He's a fun guy. And at any rate, uh, so Rick was our first conductor, and he was a he's a he's a tall fellow, but oh, yeah. he's great with kids. Okay, he's like a pied piper. And so for like 10, 12 years, he conducted that orchestra, and then his family was growing, and he needed to spend more time, so he decided to step to step down, and so. Uh, from there, we we hired uh, Brian Mishler, who's uh, another brand. He's uh, he's doing great work uh, with them. Uh, he had a he had a group. You're not going to believe this. A group of middle school kids playing chamber music last year, and you know, they they played part of the Mendelssohn Octet. You can oh. imagine that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Middle school kids playing the Mendelssohn Octet. If you're not <laughs> if, you, if you're not, not a, if you're a string player, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, you you know you, it's that's it's a crazy piece. So it's wonderful. But uh, anyway, so he's he's got some he's doing some great things. Uh, but uh, the youth orchestra though continues to to grow, and then after the JSO uh, came into being, uh, it got a little smaller, and then within a few years we were back to about 120. <laughs> it just kept getting. And, and one of my things that I mentioned to you is that I'm all about inclusion. Yeah, I think that's a really big deal. I mean, these a lot of these kids are not going to have an experience like this once they get out of out of high school, and if you make it an elite kind of a thing. Then that's that's I, for me that's a problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, this you have to share the wealth. So many people. The when you work with these kids, the look on their faces when they get it. Yeah, that's priceless. You just can't you can't buy that. You know, and mm -hmm. these kids. I mean, I'm not talking about for myself, but 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 for the kids, mm -hmm. uh, they can't buy them, and they'll have these experiences for the rest of their lives, and they'll be ultimately become consumers of fine music and hopefully patrons of the arts. Mm -hmm. But that's right. not why we're doing it. I'm just doing it because I you know I I just enjoy working with these kids and watching them have a, have a great time. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that, yeah. that's why I did it. Well, and and that leads us too to the orchestra zone program that yes. was developed in 2009 that's right that's right which is an outreach program we talked about this a bit with jan oh, of course and, yeah you and, should yeah um but and that was specifically with the reading school district that's right? right that's right um and it funded by the Reading Symphony Orchestra, correct? Well, it started. It's yes, it started. Uh, uh, we uh, members of the of management of the symphony, uh, Raleigh Verdaxis, who was the development director, Charlie Weiser, who was executive director at the time, and myself, uh, and sort of invited ourselves to a Reading School District meeting. We had been uh, uh, proposing in our minds something like this, you know, with the old the, the old Elsa STEMA program, which has sort of gone by the wayside now, but was a big deal back in those days that was uh from uh from venezuela uh this 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 wonderful wonderful music program that these young people had it was all it was funded by the oil money and so on and that's sort of gone away now but uh uh they're they're the the uh, the program in venezuela was well let's see uh dudamal the conductor dudamal who was just named conductor of the year of the new york phil was a product of that system okay so i mean it's there, there's some real credibility with that we had seen that and we thought, well, we need to be able to do something like that in Reading. What could we possibly do? So we put together some ideas uh, about lessons and so on in the in the in the school district of Reading. So we uh, we got ourselves invited to a school board meeting where we were basically presenting our, our, our proposal and asking them for permission to proceed. Mm -hmm. And they said, OK, well, could you leave the room for a few minutes? And we came back and they said, OK, we're going to give you a grant. Like I think they gave us, I think they gave us twenty thousand dollars. 
a seed money to get the program started. They gave us money to get started. Yeah. And that was one of the most successful bits of seed money I've seen anywhere. Because that kind of money, when you see a program like that, you can go to businesses and so on. And, and it's really easy to ask, uh, you know, yes. to, to secure additional funding. Mm -hmm. And so that program, when was it? 2009? Yeah, in 2009. That's right. I had just retired from, from Millersville. That's right. So we got it started and then we I figured out how to actually do it. And it was uh maybe did Jan talk to you about about the the the, the mechanism of it? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, we'll, we I won't go into that, but we 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 figured out that the lessons were gonna be in the middle school and the and the but the, they started in the middle school and they but they started with kids who were recommended by the teachers in the elementary school. Right. Based upon academic progress, uh, musical potential, and you know other basic, mm -hmm. you know, there, there was a set of criteria, mm -hmm. and it really took off. It really took off. And uh, one of the things I used to tell them uh, at the meeting in the in, in the in the spring, I said, "Now these are lessons for you that are provided to you without cost." I said, "They're not free. Somebody's paying for them, mm -hmm. but they're paid. They're provided for you without cost to you." So it's up to you to make take advantage of this of this of the of these lessons. In other words, come to your lessons and practice that you know yeah. that kind of a thing. Sure. Listen to your teachers. Well, I did it for a number of years, and uh, I, I managed it, and got to the point where I mean, I was driving to Reading like two and three times a week just to manage this thing, and it was getting a little bit crazy. <laughs> and Jan had just retired as a public public school teacher, and I said, Jan, do you want to do this? And she mm -hmm. said, absolutely. And she took it and she ran with it. And it just, she had, uh, she talked to you about the success of her students. Uh, they, they've been going to districts and regionals, all states and, you know, yes. fine conservatories. And I mean, it, it's a real success story. Yeah. Uh, I am really proud of the youth orchestra, uh, you know, all that that has done, but the orchestra zone also is, is another one of, of, of the things that I am, I'm so very proud of. And of course it was, the, it was not just me, it was the Reading Symphony that, that that helped with all with with all of that and Jan yeah. really Jan really took the ball and, and ran just just like crazy she's 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 great so yeah and she yeah she definitely you know loved being involved with that program for sure yeah it's it's just a great thing to be able to give these kids um access to what they you know wouldn't have access to otherwise mm -hmm. and yeah. and just to provide that opportunity is just it's a wonderful thing and it's it can be life-changing oh it can it can it absolutely can so it was funny it was at the, the Kimmel center for uh, a concert uh oh about six months ago and i bumped into two two former orchestra zone kids who were at the Kimmel center for a philadelphia orchestra concert who were wow. both professional they're, they're i think I, I believe they're teachers now in the philadelphia schools so i'm not sure but uh you know yeah. it's it's just crazy it's just neat okay. it's just it, and yeah. the thing is <laughs> You know this. You both know this. You have. We have no idea what impact we're going to have, and you may not hear anything ever. But then you might hear something in two weeks, or you might hear something in thirty years. Yeah. And if you don't hear anything, that's fine because it, it's happening, regardless. So this is really cool. Anyway, so yeah. Well, and you and yeah, you just don't know what kind of, like you said, you just don't know what kind of impact that you're you are having, mm -hmm. and. You know, you just can't continually put it out there and just, just day after day, just do it again and again. So, and right. It's not like throwing spaghetti up against the wall. It's not like that. I hate that <laughs> metaphor, but it's, 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 you know, more successful than that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, because you don't know too, if it's like what you're teaching them about music or just the fact that you're showing up or, you know, yeah. and, and kids don't always talk to you about any, you know, what maybe they don't even realize, you know, at that age. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they don't want to, and they may certainly they may not know at that age. And it's something that making the connections down the pike 
is is a lot of it too. So you've had um, such an impact on so many students, and like just through Millersville from your own mm -hmm. private teaching, yeah, um, and through the youth orchestra and the orchestra's own program and all of that. That it's um, it's it's amazing. Um, really like the body of work that <laughs> you have and the impact that you've made on on lots of students well we can only hope we can only hope that we have some some impact in life and right. uh, and as i was saying earlier you sometimes you hear about it and sometimes you don't and if you don't hear about it you have to have faith that uh you know you're reaching most of them mm -hmm. now occasionally we'll have somebody that just you know it doesn't work you know, and that's, that's fine. You right. can't reach everybody, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, occasionally I'll have, a, I'll have a student who stops lessons and it's not necessarily my fault, but you know, you never know. It might be. It happens. It does. It does. <laughs> so, but, so. Uh, I mean, in, in youth orchestra, nobody ever quit unless they had to, you know, I mean, they, they, they always enjoyed it. I, mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the things I tried. Well, I tried to make it enjoyable, but also you have a good time, but also learn at the same time. Mm-hmm. How many of you've had orchestra directors where you 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 played well but you hated it? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, oh, you know, conductors who were just who were just really really hard to work with. Mm -hmm. and just, I won't it, name names. No, they shall remain nameless. But I mean, I mean, like, and 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 some school teachers are like that. I I was at PMEA, and I heard an ensemble that was rehearsing to perform at one of the sessions. They were in a, in a, in a room. Mm -hmm. I had my ensemble next door. <laughs> I heard I heard this 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 teacher who was rehearsing his kids, and he stopped and he yelled and he screamed at them. It was just he said, "Get that gun out of your mouth! We're gonna be give this is that play." Wow, what's going on? I knew the guy. You know, <laughs> yeah, I knew the guy, and I never said a word, but. Yeah, and he was so proud of how well his orchestra played, but they hated him. Oh no! They they respected him, they feared him. Let's put, let's put it that way, mm -hmm. you know. So there's some conductors who 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 conduct out of intimidate or teach out of intimidation, and there are do those who don't. And uh, I've you know you, you we've seen these things all in life, and I I try to take you know when I had had that seat planted in me many years ago, I took that and I said I don't want to do that. Every once in a while, I would find myself look at myself and say I just did that. Don't. Stop that, you know. <laughs> Be nice. Yeah. Now, you have children. Yes. Um, and one of them, at least, is also a musician, correct? That's right. Mm -hmm. right. So can you tell us a little bit about your own kids? Yes, right. I have two children, Daniel, uh, the older of the two, and Anne is two years younger, uh, within a couple of months of each other. And Daniel is a uh, professional violist. Uh, he went to uh, Temple, Penn State, and got has his ma his master's from uh, Heart School of Music, also a performance certificate from Heart School of Music, and um, plays. Uh, received a contract with all but with uh, um, uh, the Erie Philharmonic, and had to give it up because it was just too much driving back and forth. They have a, a really really impossible rehearsal rehearsal schedule of the week of the concert: Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with no housing. You know, so mm -hmm. all the way to Erie, back to Lancaster, Erie. You know, it was, it was insane. So he did that, but he also plays with the Albany Symphony now, and he's uh, he's been playing with them for probably twelve years, and he's now uh, has a has a permanent seating, he's a permanent third chair, which means he's usually second or first because the principal and assistant principal were gone, and uh, he's up there all the time. He also manages housing for them. Uh, he also teaches at Dickinson College. He's an adjunct instructor of uh, viola and violin and chamber music, 
uh, Dickinson and uh, is a personnel manager and librarian for the Reading Symphony. Mm. So he's he's he has his fingers in lots of little pots. Okay, yes. <laughs> just all just a little, all over the place. Yeah. And he's a, he's a he's a heck of a heck of a fiddle player. He's just just mm. really you know he's he's better than I ever was. And his his fingers are so fast, and his brain's even faster. You know yeah. so. And, uh, you know, our, our children are always smarter when it comes to that kind of thing, computers and all of those kinds of you know, he's, he's just, oh, yes. he can learn what it was going to take me uh, like five days to learn with this Nielsen. He'll have down in 20 minutes, which is just, just plain disgusting. So, but it's just the way it is. Uh, and he's, he's, he's great. And I, I, I am really happy for him because he, he does all of that so well. My daughter was a, a violinist uh, from early on, uh, chose a different path, as, uh, went to college, college as an art major. Um, uh, was it fine art photography was her was her specialty as a master's a bachelor's from temple Tyler school of art and then went to arizona state which is actually one of the more progressive art schools in the country and has a master of fine arts in fine art photography and uh her her thesis her, her final thesis show in the, the your, your thesis you know in music you have a recital in 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 they are in in in, in art you have a, you have a, you have a show her show was a photography show her show was so imaginative and so creative that it was probably the, the most imaginative show of the of the year. And she did not have one print in the show. Oh wow. Wow. So what what photography really means is 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 light painting mm -hmm. or light drawing or something like that. So all of her art was 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 done through projections. Oh. and uh of images with with she had a couple of projectors, but then a big part of her show had dealt with something from her childhood. We had a, a player piano in our family cottage. This is just going to get a little technical here, but a player piano in the family cottage and that she just loved as a child. So she bought a player piano out there and she bought a, a whole bunch of these piano rolls and then built these frames where the piano rolls were stretched from the floor, the ceiling to the floor, ceiling to the floor. That's right. And then like, like there were, there were 10 of them. And then there were motors attached to the bottom and the top. So these, 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 Things was up and down like this, okay? This is like a whole wall of these things in the middle of the room. On the other side, there was blue light projected from these projectors. That it was just blue light, where the where the dots were projected on a screen over here. So we have the 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 the, the, the rolls of the player piano here, light coming through there, projected on the screen over here. And then between the rolls and the screen, she had dancers. I mean, oh, wow. just plain bizarre. Just wow. really, really. So, I mean, I, I didn't make it out for the show. I have I was I was tied up with concerts or whatever, but I did go out and visit her. And uh oh, it was incredible. It was just amazing. So and she is now not doing that. Uh, she, her, her 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 goal was to become a college professor, and colleges have gone away from hiring full-time faculty to adjuncts. And she was teaching part-time as an adjunct out there and could only get two classes a semester, and they were canceling one of them half the time. And so she, that was not sustainable. So she she came back home. She's now doing doing other things. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not quite sure what it is. If I tried to explain it, it would be probably wrong, and she would probably come back and hit me. So okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to explain it, but it has to do with uh, um, yoga and life skills and things like oh, okay. that. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, uh, yeah. She, yeah she, well, she's she's very happy. She's mm -hmm. living in the, in the Baltimore area now. So okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah, doing very well. So I just have a few, uh, just a couple more questions for you. Um, yeah. Now, of course, we COVID. Um, how how did that affect your um, the 
your teaching and your life really covid covid is a is a is a is a, is a curse Mm-hmm. it's just it's just you know it was for for us it was it was it was um the word devastating is way overused you know but it was it was just a real problem mm-hmm. and uh, we were living in fear all the time uh of of going outside uh you know going to the store the first time we went to the store i mean oh man i, I <laughs> we were so i i got I, in fact I, the first time we went to the store i i ran out of gas in, inside, you know, I, I had my yeah. my blood sugar got really low. I could hardly make it to the car. I was so 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 wiped out. Yeah, and uh, didn't have enough to eat before we went, and it was just took forever to go through the store. You know, the mask and all this, the, yeah. it, the mask and the shield, and it just and then not touching anything. Oh, it was it was just really frightening. And thank goodness, Giant has the uh, has has the cash register, so you don't have to see anybody. You just go right. and do the do the self scan yeah. thing. I still do that to that to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it's gotten a little better, but uh, I mean, the, the the beginning was terrible, and we 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 never saw anybody. You know, I mean, I, I, to this day, I'm still teaching at home with uh, with 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 uh, with Zoom. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I've, I actually had three students come for one lesson right before districts, mm-hmm. and those are the only in the three last three years the only students that I've, I've had live in my house. And oh, wow. I might be a little excessive, so people might think it's a little bit much, but but for me, it's what I have to do. Sure. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm 72 and, and uh, I, I'm, I'm monitoring some, some health issues. I, I came down with, with pneumonia. I maybe mentioned to you before, I came down with pneumonia back in January. Mm-hmm. It was called non-COVID viral pneumonia, whatever that means. It wasn't, ba- it was not bacterial. Okay. Bacterial goes away faster because of antibiotics. Viral takes forever to go away. Mm-hmm. And I still have a little bit of that uh, in my lungs, a little bit of that. So, but because of that, particularly now, I'm just being careful, even, sure. even now being, being very careful. Mm-hmm. Now, we, not that we haven't done anything. We do go to here Philadelphia Orchestra, but we don't go out to restaurants. We, 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 <laughs> we go to Wegmans and buy subs and take them, and eat them in the lobby. <laughs> we usually like to go to a nice Italian restaurant or this or that and have a nice meal with a glass of wine before the concert. And right. no, it's, a, it's a, it's a Wegman sub. Yeah. And, um, and so I won't tell you what my, my, what my wife brings in her shot bottle, but uh, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's not water, but uh, at it's, any rate. Okay. Uh, um, so when I soak my did, <laughs> yeah, also when we, when we, when we, when we go to the Kimmel center, our, our seats are in the box seats where they're actual chairs. And so we're not really close to people. Right. It's it's right. really very nice. It's it's yeah, they're, they're not cheap seats, but they're very comfortable, and it's just one of the few the few things that we do for ourselves. Yeah. We have gone on a couple of cruises. One cruise actually, we went to Iceland uh, two years ago, uh, right when things were actually thinking we were thinking things were getting a little bit better. It was a a cruise around the uh, the island of Iceland, and it was just wonderful. We just had a really nice time, uh, and we're going back to the Rhine River this year. But once again, we're being really careful. Uh, one of the things that our cruise company does is they're, they 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 they've assured us that every every room every stateroom has its own air supply, and the dining is they they space people out for for dining and that kind of thing so you're not going to be on top of everybody, right, right. and uh, they're not requiring masks but they're encouraging it and you know it's just yeah. we feel we feel pretty good about that so we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna we'll, we'll do that, um, yeah you know, hopefully we won't get it so I mean you have to live a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. But I mean, just the, the, the day after the day to day business of, of seeing students in the house, I'm just not doing it. So, and, yeah. you know, I once again, I, most people are, but I, I just for myself, I just can't do it. Yeah. When, Sorry, when people. Teach, well, when you're teaching, I mean, you're very close Yeah. <laughs> in proximity yeah. to your students. It's hard not to be. And yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I 
So, I mean, I, 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 everybody does what they do, and I have complete respect for whatever anybody has figured out for themselves, because we all have to deal with it in our own terms. Um, you know, so. What is um, special to you about the musical life in our community in South Central Pennsylvania? Um, you've taught and performed in especially Berks and Lancaster counties for so many years. Um, what is it that you enjoy about um, performing and being a musician in this area? Well, I could get really philosophical and go on about some, some, you know, you know, smoke and mirrors kind of thing, but you know what? It's the people. Mm -hmm. It's the people that I play with, the people that I work with, uh, the members of the Reading Symphony. It, they're just, the, I mean, with one or two exceptions, they're the nicest people in the world. <laughs> they Not really, naming names. <laughs> not naming, no, not naming names. No, no, not at all working with the people and seeing 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 people grow and i'm not talking just about kids but about the adult members of the orchestra we have a couple of members of the people who are playing with the symphony now just to give you an example who are you who were youth orchestra members before yeah mm -hmm. uh, french drum player dana collin you heard you know dana yes yes yeah. she's yeah. a former youth orchestra went to curtis actually you know and uh <laughs> Uh, she's a, a terrific horn player also an amazing pianist and uh, she yeah, won and the you know so dana, sorry dana is the the daughter of jill haley and david cullen just yeah, yeah. who are also musicians yeah and you might want to talk to them too someday I mean, you've got oh. a, a wealth of people to talk to i mean you could go on we were we're at 20 i, I dare say within a couple of years you'd be at 200 Mm -hmm. so there we'll see if i can make it <laughs> yeah well if you have too many more like me it's not gonna happen i know so. <laughs> as i get into it i'm like oh man wow yeah. I mean, there's just yeah. a lot yeah. of people <laughs> well no it, it, to get back to your question though it, it, it's the people you know the, the absolutely wonderful people that i work with uh andrew constantine that's the conductor he was the conductor of the Reading symphony is is just a joy to work with i mean and to watch him work and, you know, I don't necessarily, I used to talk with them all the time because I was, I was cover conductor, uh, you know, for the, for the symphony and conductor of the youth orchestra. We, we were communicating quite a bit. I don't talk to them that much anymore, but watching him work, that's a lot of it. You know, it's just, it's just, it is so, mm -hmm. it's so good. And yeah, what we do in a limited amount of time, we have four, as you know, we have four rehearsals in a concert. And we can, in the, back in the day, we did Beethoven 9. Actually, I conducted it one time, and there were like six rehearsals for Beethoven 9. Can you imagine that? Six rehearsals for Beethoven 9? Never. And never any overtime. He's able to do it without overtime, which is yeah. great. It's just, and then watching this all happen, and and just the whole, particularly with the symphony, the whole symphony just coming together and this having this this incredible flower, shall we say, blossom at the end of it all. So Yeah, it's yeah, great people great people and that it's people the people that do it so uh yeah. i mean that's my answer i don't know if it's any good or not but uh so it's okay. a good one <laughs> yes well and actually you have a cat there oh yeah there's... and you, you you did talk about i have a story i have a cat story you want to hear a cat story sure okay we have yeah. we uh we're we're, monitoring, we're keeping our daughter's cat for the time being she's we uh the cat's moving soon i hope but uh <laughs> at any rate this cat's name is Jasper, and he has like a tuxedo nose and so on. And he's uh, he's he's really quite aggressive. And as you talked about the about the about the uh, computer screen, cats with their own computer screen, mm -hmm. he is absolutely after my wife's iPad all the time. My wife's had her iPad, and he's right up there because uh, we've discovered these these like like twelve hour mouse videos of of, of mice 
you know, eating rice and doing this and so on. And he gets up to the iPad and how the how the iPad can open and there's a little little hole in the back. Mm-hmm. He's always reaching in the back behind the screen for the mice, you know, it's just the craziest thing. I'm, you know, when this cat moves, we're going to buy, I have to buy my wife a new cover for her iPad because he's destroying this one. So I guess that was a meaningless story. What is it? It's like, That's okay. Method. I mean, you yeah. can edit that out if you like, that'll be fine. So, so. <laughs> well, it's been a lot of fun. This has been great. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. What am I most proud of in regard of my career? Oh, that's, a, that's your last question here. Well. Okay. Um, go ahead. The fact that I that I survived. <laughs> no. <laughs> there no, you go. No. no, no. I think it has to be uh, the youth orchestra and the orchestra zone. You know, I, I, I do. I do think about that. I mean, I, I taught at Mildersville. That, that was great. That was that was a wonderful, wonderful job. But I think uh, starting the youth orchestra, I have to... I'm getting a little self-absorbed here, I'm afraid, but I, about two or three years before I, I retired from the youth orchestra, I was at the Reading High School for a Christmas concert, and we had all of these kids running around the hall. The, the junior strings in the youth orchestra, they have all these kids, we're having a problem, close to 200 kids in the, in the program, running up and down the hall, getting all excited and all set for the concert, and I said, this is a good thing. That's what I said, just for a moment, just for a moment, I said, I just, I just, just pondered that. And then we got, got back to make, making sure that I had my baton and that the orchestra was going to be on stage and so on. So yeah, anyway, that was that was a, that was an aha moment, actually. So anyway. All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. It really yes. has. Thanks so much for the invite. Absolutely. Thank you. Oh, I didn't break your camera or anything like that. So <laughs> I don't think so. I think we're good. Everything stayed intact. There's my fancy <laughs> cup. You see my cup? But you okay. don't know where that's from. Where is that? Where is it? Iceland? No, this is from uh, this is from uh, Acadia. This that's Jordan Pond. Oh, okay. My wife, I, I took that picture last summer, and my oh. my daughter my daughter you know, used to work at a place in Lancaster where they where they put prints on 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 mugs. Mm-hmm. And this, this is Acadia National Park. This is Jordan Pond. Yeah, and it's just really a nice place. That's oh yeah, I forgot to talk about bicycle riding, but I won't. We'll save that for another day. Never mind. Yes, we'll have a we'll have another episode. So I hate to say that we are out of time, but thank you so much, Peter. Um, Your impact on this region and beyond has been far reaching. And I can't imagine all of the young lives you have impacted through your studio teaching, RSYO, and as well as Millersville. So thank you for joining us today. And thank you to our listeners. Um, Thank you for supporting us. If you ever have the chance, please give us feedback. Um, We love to hear from our listeners, especially if you have any questions or suggestions as to who you might enjoy an interview of, or if you would like to sponsor any of our episodes. We have lots of musicians, students of musicians, and families of musicians listening in. So please contact us at lifebetweenthenotes at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and video versions can be found on our Life Between the Notes YouTube channel. So follow us at all these places and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And with that, have a great day. And thank you, Morgan and Peter. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye.